You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast with me, Russell Guyver, and my co-host, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. All right, good to have you back. You've been away for a couple of weeks. We'll uh, go bore you with details on that later, if, if, uh, if need be. Um, but we're here to do a special non-league special episode. We've got three guests with us. We have Hayden, who is from Worthing Fanatics, I understand. Hello, Hayden. Hello, good to see you. Excellent. Good to have you with us. Hello also to Sam, who's with Away Boys, another fans group with Worthing. Hi to you, Sam. Hello and hello to everyone listening. Excellent. Good, good. And we have very special guests as well joining them. It is the current manager slash coach of Worthing, former Albion player as well. It's Mr. Adam Hinchelwood. Hello, Adam. Good evening. Excellent. Pleasure to have you all with us. Um, We've got you together, really, to do a follow-up to an earlier podcast we did on Worthing. We had Peter Vale from uh, Rebel Yell, who does the match day commentaries, and we had Ange from the Supporters Club, um, who were both with us on that occasion. I think it was just after the original lockdown had kicked in, and the season had been, I think, just declared null and void at the time. Unfortunately, we're in a fairly similar position, aren't we, as we come to do this follow-up episode. And it's really on that subject um, we're going to probably get into detail on first. Um, So where are we at with it, guys? I mean, obviously the season, you got started again. You had another really good season. Things were going well, albeit an early stage of the campaign. It's been officially curtailed, hasn't it, as the wording that's been used. Is that right? I don't know who wants to go first. Adam, I guess to you. Maybe yeah, get to you yeah that's, that's it, yeah. Uh, I think we've got the word in my curtail this one. Um, Null and void the first one and curtail this one, whatever those two um, words mean. They're new to me um, since the last couple of months. But, um, yeah, uh, obviously a bit, bit disappointed, to say the least. Um, not just for myself and the players, but obviously, you know, got a couple on here, but some very loyal fans that have followed the club uh, through those times and um, yeah hope to see the club progress into um, a, a better better league and a higher league higher division 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has been incredibly frustrating. I've, I've been looking from afar, just to explain my position, I'm, I'm sort of a Worthing boy born and bred, an Albion fan, um, but I've had a sort of like a soft spot for Worthing, but never really got along to games that much um, through the years, a few times here and there. Um, and things have, I think pretty much they were in the same division when I was sort of growing up and occasionally going to games, um, is me and Prem, which is, for anyone that doesn't know, it's step three of non-league. You've got step one is National League, step two is the regionals for National League. And then step three, you've got, well, four or five, four divisions, I think it is, isn't it? All on a similar footing, one of which is the Ismian. And within that, you're in the Premier Division of that league. Um, I think they've dropped down through the years, but they've come back up uh, in more recent times. And um, it's good to see them on the up. I mean, just to go through it, Adam, you've... Last season, the, the one that was uh, declared null and void, you were pretty much odds on for the title, or at least uh, for promotion, weren't you? Yeah, it was a very, very good season. Um, you know, probably didn't have the, the best of starts. Um, you know, there was one 6 0 thrashing that's still very um, prominent in, in my mind um, at home as well. Um, so, yeah, it was. Managed to turn things around and get the squad together um, and in a, in a good place and playing some good football. Um, but yeah, I think there was eight games to go and we seven points clear at the top. Um, obviously, Cray had a game in hand in us, I think. Um, but yeah, it was in a, a very good position. Um, we was It wasn't like we was out of form. We was in form going into those last few games as well. Um, so yeah, it was... Uh, a big disappointment for the Ishman League to act so quickly and declare this season null and void. Um, I felt they um, jumped to that decision a little bit too hastily, in my opinion, especially after um, seeing the other, other leagues, every other league, it felt like, apart from Mars, go points per game. Um, you know, even in the Football League, you know, I think Wickham Wanderers were out of the playoffs. Um, and then points per game put them into the playoffs and they ended up going up. Um, so I just felt there was a lack of um, cohesion throughout how the pyramid was um, settling their, their divisions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and most of the season haven't been done. I, I mean, in, in one sense, it's good that they're being decisive, but it's almost, as you said, it's almost too decisive, too soon, or at least to, in order of getting the right wording uh, because if it had been curtailments, as I understand it, because, uh, I mean, this is all new to me as well, really, this terminology within football. Um, it seems that curtailment leaves a little bit of a loose end. It, it's open to interpretation and something could be done at a later point with that. Um, I mean, looking back, for me, it looks like the two seasons, the, the first one that was that was written off and the second one, which was a shorter term one that's been now curtailed, could have been amalgamated to give you a, a much fairer reflection of results over the equivalent of a season. I know it's easy with hindsight to say that now, but would that have been the better conclusion, do you reckon, looking at things um, now? No, yeah, I think uh, the, the sort of FA had um, a sort of restructure in mind um, for this summer to happen. Um, and if that was the case and they wanted to stick to that sort of plan, then... Yeah, I believe obviously that it was the fairest way to do it would be to put the two seasons together, and that wasn't only ourselves. I think there was a few other teams that, that felt that as well. Um, yeah. You know, two seasons, those two seasons ago, because we played eight games in this season, so it, it, um, them sort of 
put together would accumulate one full season. Um, and I think there was a lot of people that thought that was a good good way of deciding if the, the leagues did want to go with that restructure. But yeah, it looks like it's not going to take place. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it leaves them. Everyone's in different and difficult situation. Obviously, those have decided that they're not going to feature in any of their games. I mean, where does that leave them? Do they get to stay in the, as a National League club? Uh, obviously, a very difficult situation for them. Um, but should someone like Dorkin, the league below, and Dartford that were vowing for promotion and invested heavily in that, um, should they um, not be entitled to, to try and go up in, in their sort of place? It's just... I think there's so much stuff up in the air and uh, don't get me wrong, it's a, such a difficult time um, uh, for everybody at the moment, uh, let alone these football leagues trying to come up with a, a best solution. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll roll with whatever the outcome is and, and be ready to compete in um, the Ishman League again. Yeah, we well, certainly been doing very well and I hope it does continue. I've, I've got the feeling, just from the outside looking, it looks like a club that's got a very strong, steely determination to see this through and not just let what's happened, these bizarre circumstances, get in the way of a good thing. Um, I hope that's the case, and we'll, we'll find out, obviously, in due course. Um, but to bring in the other lads at this point then, so Sam and Hayden, I mean, you, you're, fan, you're both representatives from fan groups. I mean, as I said, I, I'm worthy born and bred. haven't gone to an awful lot of games. When I did go, there wasn't much noise, I have to say, from fans back in the day. I'm 49 now, so we're talking a slightly different era. But, um, you know, if, if there was any singing going on, it was usually me and my mates, a couple of points to the good, making the only noise in there, <laughs> far from polite applause. It's clearly moved on a hell of a lot, um, which is great to see. You two are in um, two, well, two different fan groups. So I th- can you explain sort of what the differences are and the also the similarities? Because I believe there's quite a bit of a crossover. So... I'll let, Hayden, I'll let Hayden explain it's, the story. It's effectively the same thing. Um, yeah. So when we were, uh, would have been about seven or eight years ago now, when the club was on its knees, um, the chairman at the time introduced his free season tickets for under, uh, under 16s. So a lot of me and my friends who played at Worthing Town together, and a couple of us had gone to Worthing growing up as kids as well. So we got our mates involved and like, hey, come on, come to games. And we kind of like affectionately known ourselves as the Fanatics from about 2014, although it wasn't really a thing, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, so it got to a point about a year later where some of the fans who did used to sing at games were a little bit frustrated that we didn't have much there. They sort of got together and said, look, let's make a group. We'll call it the Away Boys. And we all obviously knew each other from games. And we were like, well, why don't we just do the same thing and we'll try and build something here. So the away ABF stands for away boys fanatics, which is basically the same thing. So with our social media, we try and cater to a youth sort of thing and just try and be a bit comedic and let them kind of do everything else. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of things going on at the club. And I think it's a testament to the community we've got at Worthing now uh, that you can have such a variety of people doing different things, providing different things for the club. Um, and it says a lot about the scale of it and, yeah, where this club's going. And it's, it's going up, effectively. Just yeah, sort of brilliant. echoing yeah. sort of Hinch's thoughts as well, that the, the team and the coaching staff, they've got the determination to get promoted. And the fans are very much in that same mindset. You know, we'll back the team 100%. Win, lose or draw, rebels till we die. Uh, it really is that steely determination, as you mentioned earlier, to get promoted and kind of get where where we 
deserve to be in terms of leading the league and also all the great work that's gone on behind the scenes to improve the ground and get the grading up to standard for when we are in the, in the next level. Yeah, and actually on that subject, um, obviously with the uh, the closures during the um, the summer months due to COVID, some work at least was able to go ahead in earnest, wasn't it? You've, there's been some ground improvements, as I understand it. There's been some changes to the northeast corner, which is uh, the east is behind one of the goals, isn't it? So the northeast corner is sort of down. It's down the terrace that's opposite the main stand for anyone that's been there. I think that's right, isn't it? The north. So the northeast is that corner opposite the main area. Um, and there's, there's been some improvements to toilet and catering facilities there, some access and facility for segregation should it be needed going up through the levels. Is that right? Yeah, there's a brand new turnstile that's gone in. Um, so that will help with segregation yeah. when it's when it's needed. Um, also, yeah, as you mentioned, a, a brand new catering unit as well. So the Futures Bright project and the fundraising really helped to get that off the ground. And you look at Worthing as a whole and as a community, really sort of pulled together to raise a fantastic amount along with the, the grants as well that our great chairman has managed to, to get. Yeah, and that's uh, that's Barry Hunter, isn't it, the, the chairman? Um, and yeah, I mean, floodlights and pitch improvements as well, isn't it? Because you've got a new 3G pitch put in, I think, is that right? And some work done underneath to the base of it, from what I was reading anyway. So quite a few bits and pieces going on. The floodlights, obviously, is to do with the possibility of stepping on in levels as well, isn't it? It's pre-prep for hopefully stepping up to a National League South next next time you can. Um, so that, that all sounds pretty good. Um, and clearly the club is thinking in the, along the right lines. Um, in terms of the pitch, so that, that's a brand new pitch, presumably. Has there been any football played on that since it was installed in earnest <laughs> at this um, stage? No, no from, what, from what I understand, no, unless any of the boys... I know Adam said recently about um, potentially the club taking on training when it gets the opportunity. And I believe yeah. that'll be the first time anyone's been on it. Um, it had to be replaced. We did have an artificial turf for the last five years, um, but there were quite a lot of complications with it. Um, we had to ground share with Bolton for a time because of issues with it. Um, so the club have had to go through quite a few proceedings to sort that all out and uh, replace it. But brand new turf in there, the brand new floodlights, it's, it's all set up for the next level now. And um, yeah, it's a little bit of an extra incentive for everyone to come back to see all the new improvements. Pitch yeah. higher for a Monday, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, no, we, uh, we've had our education uh, boys back for the last two weeks now, so they've been trained on it. Um, and yeah, the feedback from them is just obviously with the money that's been invested in it, but obviously a, a very a vast improvement on on the surface. Um, Plays so much better. Um, you know, the, obviously the, the tarmac base and everything. So. There's no sort of um, funny bounces no more. Um, I can um, definitely see an improvement when I'm doing a passing pattern and it's not bouncing up around their uh, knees. And, you know, the, the lads don't have to watch the ball right into their foot, which they did on the old surface. So, um, yeah, the way we want to play, we'd like to, you know, play out from the back, play for the thirds and... Um, with the ball in the deck, it should suit the way we want to play and, and our game. Um, we right. talked about uh, the, the way sort of Brighton play, you know, love the way that, you know, Potter's gone playing this year, really sort of admire of how, especially his last game against Newcastle, the, the tactical little tweaks that he made for that game. Um, yeah, mm. something that, how we like to play as well, um, down at Wyvern. 
Oh, that's good. I mean, maybe that in the longer term could uh, forward some links between the clubs in terms of loanees. I know you've had Carl Rushworth in the past and there's been some other connections, but maybe that, that could be a pathway for some loans um, at certain levels, maybe as well. No, yeah, we've got, I've got really good links. Um, you know, everything was amicable when I left Brighton. Uh, get on really well with the academy manager, John Morley. Um, obviously still know the, the goalkeeper coach very well, Ben Roberts. Um, speak to him um, from time to time. And yeah, got good links there. So it's it's always an option. Um, yeah, moving forward, uh, we're obviously trying to get a youth structure in place ourselves. Obviously, not one that's going to compete with Brighton just yet, but a youth structure in place ourselves to start bringing players through. And we're already starting to reap the rewards of that a little bit. Uh, one or two of our players come through our academy system and into our first team. And, you know, obviously some good youngsters um, that have come to us and gone on to bigger and better things. Um, and, you know, some even on to the international stage uh, very recently. Yeah. In terms of the pitch, um, do you, I mean, it sounds as if it's just a matter of benefits, really, in terms of the old one versus the new one. Um, it doesn't sound like it was the greatest surface, what was there before. Did you see any challenges there as well in terms of getting, obviously, getting used to the pitch in general, just uh, its various um, elements? But is, are there any challenges associated with that as well for getting the players to, to play? Um, the there definitely was before. Um, it was probably a risky game, probably trying to play out from the back on on the old surface. It, it simply just didn't roll through. There was bumps in it. Um, it reminded me of like getting to about this sort of stage, you know, sort of uh, end of March, April stage, when the sort of county league pitches sort of dry out a little bit and they haven't managed to roll them in time and they're a little bit yeah. um, bumpy. It was... It was Similar to that, to be honest, um, you know, all year round. Um, you know, the, the, the guy, um, we have uh, a groundsman, Mickey Martin, who gives up his free time to come and, and do the pitch rush, but he does lancing and stunning. And he said he used to go over that like a dream. And then he would get a little bit seasick when he's done Worthing's pitch. Um, so, you know, <laughs> he, 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 he noticed it. And I definitely think there'll be. Um, a difference that fans will see the, the pitch playing better and the ball rolling better and hopefully um, yeah the, the, the rewards that are coming up with a, a better display of passing um, from, from, the, from the team as well Yeah it sounds like a, like a bizarre irony doesn't it that the, the pitch the previous pitch was like the equivalent of what you were trying to avoid in the first place. <laughs> no, I know, yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly, but, uh, exactly that. It was, yeah. um, you know, it just wasn't fit for purpose. And, you know, UEFA rightly stepped in and said, this this is, is not good enough for, for the level and the, the standard that you want to play at. Yeah. And, you know, like we spoke about already, the board acted very quickly. And this summer, I'm thankful to get the necessary... Uh, funding to, to get it done and, and, and it's improved and like it's been said already with the, the community spirit shown in the first lockdown to to get all the funding in place for the groundworks is was, was phenomenal and um, you know just really highlighted to me just um, what the club can do uh, with that kind of community sort of spirit and fan base behind us um, I know you yeah. spoke about there not being much noise when you went, but that must have been a while ago because these guys definitely 
uh, generate some noise now. And, uh, you know, that, 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 is, that as well for, like, young players to come and experience that. Um, like, spoken about boys on loan and stuff. Um, you know, when, when they come and they play a home game, and, you know, they really do get the full effect of what it's like to play for a big club um, because, you know, the, the noise that the fans do make. I think from a fan perspective, for us, it would just be nice getting back to Woodside, you know, standard, because even when the league sort of started again um, in September, we only had one home game of sorts, um, but that was played up in Horsham. Um, and with the, the COVID protocols in place and the lack of crowds that were allowed, we still sort of sold it out. So that, again, testament to our fan base that we had big numbers travel up to Horsham for a home game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's great because it's it's big away followings as well. We should say that's that's been one of the other features that I've been hearing about. I think there's a couple of points where I've Worthing's caught my attention. One was um, the whole thing with George Dow taking over because I, not that I've ever watched it regularly, but I happened to watch that episode on TV when he appeared um, on the Undateables, wasn't it? And um, he mentioned Worthing. And, oh. Ears pricked up, and then obviously, then subsequently heard the story about he'd had an accident. He was a, he was a keen sort of budding young player, I think himself, wasn't he? And he had an accident which well finished his career, and then he he decided to use the money to acquire the club. I think, roughly speaking, something along those lines, wasn't it? Um, so that's an interesting story in itself. Um, that caught my eye, and then I think the other bit that really did was obviously seeing just seeing them on the titles on um, Sky Sports News rolling, things, seeing how well the club's doing. I noticed that we're do, doing well there, and then the other thing was the fundraising in the summer, um, which I think um, you guys were you guys involved in that yourselves um, specifically because I think there was a there was a run, wasn't there, that went all the way from somewhere in further west Sussex all the way across. Was it? Was we we right? can't we can't forget Hinch's run. Uh, massive That's shout out. Hinch. To- to Stu, uh, Dean, Hammond. Stu. I think my part, um, calling it a run on my part, is definitely a bit of a, um, yeah, giving myself a bit too much credit there. And I'll say more of a, a sponsor walk, really, on, on my behalf, uh, a lot of it. Uh, the <laughs> sort of give way about Little Hampton, um, and there was, wasn't too much coming back. But yeah, like, great support, Stu, um, Dean Hammond come and joined us as well and uh, his son Jack joined in as well so and and Brilliant. just doing that like the amount of fans that turned up for that was phenomenal really just to spare you along you know all the way from Bogner really all the way through to Worthing you'd have Worthing fans um, you know giving you some encouragement along the way and uh, you know it's, it's brilliant to see and brilliant to be part of um, not something that I'm looking to do any time again soon. It was a uh, was a tough one, um, but yeah, like I say, it was all, all for an unbelievable cause. And when when we do get back uh, to Woodside and you see all the fans sort of being able to enjoy the the new facility and stuff like that, it'll make it all worthwhile. Yeah, fair play to you, Hinch. That's a brilliant effort. That's really good. And um, as you said, it's for a good cause. It's really helped step things on. Um, in terms of the crowds, by the way, I know we as guess we. We don't quite know what's going to happen when people return, how, how many people might be worried about being in crowds again and so on, and whether that will affect anything. But what sort of crowds were you getting in normal times before this lockdown situation occurred? What was the current average, do you know? We were looking at around, around 1,000 just below. Um, it'd normally be about 950 yeah. and over. But you have obviously big games where 
I think Bognor a couple of times in the last few years, we've had nearly 2,000. I think we have had 2,000 at Woodside for that um, a few times. So it's, you know, the, the crowds are there. And you look at Worthing as a town, there's, there's the potential for a pretty decent sized club. Mm. Um, and it always has been in Worthing as well. Uh, and it was one of the sort of drives that sort of started the whole away boys fanatics thing. It was, well, there's so many people here and barely anyone knows where Worthing Football Club is. You know, pr- prior to George taking over, um, you're looking at 200, 300. I think Kinch is first in, in charge. We got to about 400 because it was such a good time watching Worthing. You know, it was best we'd looked in years. Um, but when George comes in, uh, revamped the stands, so we saved the club, stopped us going out of business, frankly. Um, and everything's just exploded since then. Um, the promotion season is first year in, and being in the Ishmael League, Ishmael Premier ever since, it's all just grown and grown and grown. And although you know we were doing about a thousand before, I think easily the club can keep kicking on from here because with how um, how the team's been getting on, how close we are to getting into the National League setup, I think it can really grow from here. As long as people are feeling safe about coming to the ground, um, of course. But yeah, it's only going to get bigger from here. You might actually find people are more happy to come to non-league grounds than, than actually big Premier League grounds where they they maybe have more control over them, you know, where they can stand and sit and that sort of thing actually with the future. But I mean, crowds of a thousand are better than some conference team or national league teams. And even some, I mean, League, league Two teams struggle to get you know, that 1500. So if you're getting crowds of 2000 regularly, you're going to be kind of, you know, kind of start getting being up there with quite a few teams in League Two, even. No, you definitely, yeah. definitely feel that. I definitely feel like, you know, with now tendencies, you know, we're easily the sort of um, biggest supported team in Sussex now, non league wise. Um, and you know, I really did feel that. There's one game we played Moneyfields in the FA Cup and it did feel like a, a league, a league club going to a non-league ground. Like we absolutely over, just overtook the, the the grounds. Like people coming on the train and had a few drinks. I think even the old chairman Pete Stone joined them on on the train and added to it. Um, and yeah, like the noise inside the change room is, you know, I hadn't experienced that and before until sort of like the the Brighton days when you you got great following at the away games. You know, there's certain hardcore fan base that would just go to away games and won't go to Withdean and uh, you know it did feel a little bit like that on that day and you know from then I felt you know it was really the full effects of the potential that the club has got was yeah I was going to say it sounds sounds like the early noughties when you were playing them for a cinch um, it's kind of along those lines isn't it They've sort of taken over the town almost for the day and I mean, as long as yeah, it's I think, starting good I think there's a lot of similarities as well like obviously you know, <laughs> Not as drastic, but for one reason or another, not being able to play home games and having to go to Horsham this season. And obviously the Brighton fans know all about sort of going down to Brighton and you know, having a temporary fixture of the ground at, at Withdean for a time and still managing to support the team. So there is, you know, a few similarities there. Um, obviously, you know, not quite at the scale of um, what Brighton have got and how they've grown and developed over the last few years and established themselves again, hopefully as a, as a Premier League club um, this season. Um, obviously not to that sort of criteria, but still, you know, for, for our sort of level, um, you know, real good, solid uh, fan base um, that come to a lot of games. Yeah. I think, I think and, the nice um, thing for us is just like the, the communication and the camaraderie side of it is everyone does know everyone. 
So that is the great thing about it. And we do yeah. get on so well sort of on a non-match day. You know, we have our group chats and we are sort of a massive group of friends that really do it for, yeah, the spirit of the football. But it's that friendship element as well. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? If you get a big bunch of your all mates and socials occur and every, it just turns into more of a community than just about the football, which is, is great. And what um, I do miss about the with Dean days, because even when Brighton were in like League Two and League One, you still knew a lot of the away fans that went, you know, week in, week out. And it's like not quite the same now with the Premier League comes a bigger pool from people to, to go to away games and that sort of thing. So you, you know fewer in comparison, but. It is something that's like, you know, obviously I love being right being in the Premier League and that sort of thing, but I do miss the kind of camaraderie in some ways. I, certain, I can say the exact same thing. Uh, growing up for me, watching Brighton, it was with Dean. And I think one of those sort of elements I've always missed about watching Brighton was that kind of community element. And you actually felt like you mattered to the club back in those days. And obviously it's amazing where Brighton are now, but I think it's one of the things that really draws people like myself to non-league football is that kind of that sense of community and you actually feel like you're um, you buying that ticket matters, you know, rather than uh, at the Amex these days, where as fantastic as it is that we have that, it's, it's not the same football club that it was 10 years ago. Yeah, your presence is felt, isn't it, more in a, in a good way. And I was going to say, it's sort of what Pete's um, driven at a little bit there as well, in terms of, you know, where you're going to sit, the restriction on where you can be, where you can move around to, because famously you can at certain levels move around the whole ground, can't you, during matches in non-league. Do you think there, I think there is, but do you, do you guys think there is a growing, an ever-growing appeal for non-league from the wider fan base, more and more people who are losing touch with, the professional game, that sanitised element, um, you know, the fact you can't drink inside of the pitch, the fact that the, the TV deals, the changes of schedule for matches, all of those things isolate people and and put them off a little bit to some degree. I yeah, mean, I know I, some I, Albion fans who come to Worthing now when they can as well. No, I, I, like what Peter and Hayden have said, really, I hear that quite a lot, actually. Um, that, you yeah. know, obviously it's fantastic that Brighton are in the Premier League and stuff like that, but they do lose uh, a sense of something um, with them being there. And, um, yeah, more and more people do come off the back of that and do, I'll go to Worthing if Brighton are away and then end up going, oh, well, get a little bit hooked. Um, and I can see why, to be honest, um, you know, because, you know, a group of friends that you've not seen in a while and, you know, they're, there again, same faces, good to good friendly environment. Um, you know, my sort of family, a big draw for me, my family, I've got a big family, and they love coming to Worthing and keep asking me when's football going to be back at Woodside and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I think I feel that as well through them. And I think a lot of people uh, do as well and feel comfortable, like, you know, taking their, their kids along and their kids can get on the pitch after. Um, whether that's still going to be the case or not now with our lush new surface. But I think it's important that if we can do that um, and have a way of doing that, um, we should try to, to, to operate it still because it's a bit of a unique selling point that, you know, families can come and the kids go and, can go and play on that pitch that they've just seen the players play on. Um, but yeah. I do I do hear it quite a lot, really, with uh, Brighton, obviously, where they are and getting bigger and better um, and I think they will under this manager um, but yeah you do lose a sense of, of something um, that like I say feeling part of part of it you seem a little bit distance away maybe 
with um, yeah. with the ABF 15 that that's what we say you know be a part of it be a part of what we're kind of creating and what you know echoes the testament off the pitch on the pitch you know the facilities up and the upgrades it just the you know the combined element of those things brings people back yeah and i mean the other thing is i mean if, if you can coexist because while the albion are doing well for example and there's a lot of interest in worthing from fans either who from there or who, who go down there um i know some as i say who pop along to woodside road whenever they can when the Albion aren't playing, if you can arrange the schedules uh, to not to not clash, um, I think that's where anyone that can't be bothered or can't get tickets to away games, the Albion can come along, boost the crowd even more. Every bit helps. It can it can go side by side, can't it, to some degree? Definitely. Um, yeah, I think I think from our point of view as a club, we would sort of love that to happen. Love the sort of um, Ishmael League to look at Brighton's fixtures and you know whenever they was at home, put us away, and then we'd be at home and. So we can coexist and work alongside each other. We're not by any stretch of imagination trying to compete with a Premier League club. Um, we can't offer the riches and the, the facilities that they obviously can, but you know, I still think that we can offer something alongside it that fans hmm. can enjoy and, and be part of. There's a few yeah. Brighton fans in the in the away boys, and there was a game a couple of seasons ago. I think Worthing kicks off at three. Brighton were half five down at the Amex. Um, came to Woodside for the first half and then got the train to the Amex <laughs> for the half-five kickoff. So it is definitely doable to boost those attendances. Yeah. Well, with TV schedules, actually, yeah. I mean, it may not even be a clash anyway most of the time. Yeah. So we'll be playing all sorts it's of It's a 12.45. You'll certainly get back for the second half at Woodside. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And, I mean, Pete also, um, I'm, I'm living in North London nowadays, although I'm from Sussex. Pete's dad is from Brighton. Thus, he's a Brighton fan as well. But he was born and brought up in North London, weren't you, uh, Pete? Now in South. He's moving in the right direction, boys. He's coming back <laughs> southwards. Uh, um, but he's, um, he's from, well, basically your local team is Barnet, wasn't it? And from my experience, going to Barnet as a local team more recently, once in a while, it's it's riddled with Arsenal and Spurs fans. Um, yeah, and we have Barnet as a second team. Yeah, there aren't many people. Well, it did, anyway. And the occasional Brighton fan as well. Um, there aren't, yeah, there are yeah. a lot of people. But yeah, I, I, to be honest, when it's um, Brighton aren't playing or whatever, I, I kind of really like doing um, either going to Barnet or going to non-league games. I've been to like Dulwich and, um, and last year, which was well, a couple of seasons ago, which was really great. And uh, Ebb's Fleet, I think, at one point as well. Just kind of, it's just, it's really good. And it actually is quite nice as well because you don't really care who wins. So it's actually a kind of nice situation where you can relax as compared to watching Brighton, which is permanently tense and <laughs> nerve-wracking, except for a brief period at the end on Saturday. Other than that, yeah, the whole season has been nerve-wracking and tense. Yeah, I don't know what the word relax means, Pete, actually. I can't remember what that is. <laughs> but um, speaking of Dulwich, actually, I mean, this is the thing that got me onto the culture changing in non-league, because I've got a mate who's from Burgess Hill, funnily enough. Um, he's mildly into the Albion, but he's not, not particularly a massive football fan. He moved to the Dulwich area, and he's ended up through mates going to games. And I, he said, oh, I would have come down to a match. So I popped down to meet up with him, had a couple of beers, went to the game. And I just could not believe how many people were there, how much beer they were selling, the quality of the food and every, and the noise as well. I thought, this is amazing. Then I'm hearing about Talk, obviously, with the Hawks. And they've, they've got their ultras group, which is, is a brilliantly incongruous kind of thing of no homophobia, no racism, no xenophobia, um, no swearing as well. They do, don't they? All that stuff, which sits so bizarrely in Whitehawk, which is an edgy area, isn't it? 
And then other clubs, I think, is it Clapton up here in London? I think there's a few others that have had this initiative. So when I found out that Worthing also had this thing going on in, in major in, in major ways, I thought I was so delighted to hear it. I think it's brilliant. So in terms of the culture on the match days, just to steer it back to you guys, Hayden and Sam, what, what's it like in terms of, have you, have you got a ridiculous number of songs going? How noisy is it? Do you all interact? Uh, it's behind the East goal, isn't it? I presume you mainly gravitate. Is that right? And t- tell us a bit about the whole fan culture on match days, anyway. So our, our main our main end is the shed end, and we tend to kick towards that in the second half um, down at Woodside. And you know, Hayden with the drum has become <laughs> cult until he passed it on to Jacob. Yeah, I'll give you, you know. Jacob. Jacob, I've long retired that. Uh, Jacob's <laughs> much better than me at that. Like um, beer doesn't help. To be fair, I've learned over the years. <laughs> Um, All the rhythm goes out the window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite quickly. Jake is um, one of the younger lads. He's um he's sixteen and he's been coming to Worthing since he was like seven or eight years old. So as he's been growing up, he's sort of watched Hayden bang the drum and he's very much like wanted to kind of take that role over. So so Jacob is is our main drummer at the moment. We create stickers, we've got our songbook. Um yeah, our songs are unique. We try and make all the songs uh, different and stand out and really just to have a good time, but also um, be a you know good example to the club and to other fans. Um, so when people do come yeah. along, they really want to come back again and get involved. Yeah, we like try, yeah, we try to um, keep the songs as unique as possible, like ideally not cookie cutter. Um, we'll try and change yeah. the words up a little bit, even if it is Dean, uh, Dean Frower, who does a lot of them. Even if it is him looking up rhyming words on Google Images, just to, on, on Google, to, trying to find something different. He's forever on Rhyme Zone. Is Dean? Always. Dean was a founder, founder of the ABF. Always, always doing it. Um, but the effort he puts in, like Dean, someone who deserves a ridiculous amount of credit for what he's done uh, for the fan base, because he, he's responsible for all of it. Effectively, it's him and uh, Charlie Silverberg the number of others who sort of spurred all of this to start happening, and the amount of effort Dean puts into all of it, the flags and songs and everything like that. It's one of those things where it's what people put into it is what we get out of it. We've got some songs that will make people laugh, make people cringe a little bit, but we have a big variety of them. Um, yeah, it, it's something we pride ourselves on is to have a, a quite a broad, um, broad atmosphere at games. What's really nice That's to good. see is when when we were behind that goal as well. It's not just a certain age group. You know, it's people of all ages, all cultures. You know, really just supporting Worthing and pride of Sussex really does kind of, kind of grow within you. Even if you're not from the area, you will sort of feel it when you're behind the goal, getting involved. That's brilliant. I, I do like the, the idea of trying to keep as many songs unique as possible as well, because I think that's, uh, that's something, of another, another non-league club, FC United, obviously they pushed for a load of that kind of stuff when they got going, didn't they? Albeit some of it was generic from the old days of Man U, but um, but that sort of stuff's really good. I like that. And, and De- Dean, sorry, who, who's that? What's his surname? Just to give him a, a Dean Thrower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well done to him because I mean that sounds absolutely brilliant. Well, we're probably going to take a break there. In part two, we're also going to be joined by Peter Vale, who was with us on the previous feature we did on Worthing. I notice he is now in the waiting room, so we'll take a quick break just there. When we come back, we'll have a bit more talk on fan culture and we'll get a bit more from you, Adam, as well, possibly a little bit about the Albion too. Um, So we'll be back in just a moment.
So welcome back to part two of the latest episode. Peter and I doing a wording special with our special guest, Adam Hinchelwood, coach of the first team squad at the moment. We also have Hayden with us, um, who's a member of the Worthing Fanatics. Um, Sam, a fellow fan and, and ultra, has had to drop out for the second part, so we thank him for his time. But we have had a late substitute come on in his place. It's Mr Peter Vale, who people may remember came on to our previous Worthing special that we did a few months ago. Um, he does the Rebel Yell podcast and the live match day coverage. Welcome back to the show, Peter. How are you doing? Yeah, evening. Thanks for inviting me on again. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. You also have a Forest affiliation, don't you? I think, if I remember rightly, was it Forest? Yeah, I forget them there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They're, they're the Brighton second team now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Euston had a bit of a rocky start, um, but it seems to be getting the results now. We're getting further up the table, but I think it's a mission too far for this season for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah next year that first season under Hewton and just kind of like coming in quite late and doing what what is needed to stay up and ensuring that safety and then well if you're if you're lucky you'll get like next season you'll be top six based on our, our, what happened with us. Yeah, hopefully pattern but, might repeat itself, hopefully. Yeah. Well, in this second part, we were just talking in just before the break about fan culture and how things are going with with crowds. Uh, Hayden, you were talking about uh trying to keep as many songs as unique as possible. You've got a big song because stuff, um, there's a drum, there's all sorts of atmosphere going on. Um, is there any more you can add to that? Is there sort of like jumping up and down? Are you doing the Poznan? Is there kind of, you know, surges, flares, any of that sort of stuff? No, there is, um, if you don't, uh, FM Bounce, which to be fair, that is one we nicked. We did nick that from Sheffield United, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, sorry, um, yeah. about Bogner. But uh, that is fine. Yeah, when we when yeah, we'll we, allow we, swearing on the program. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, it's fine. The right. B word. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, when, when we were when we first started going, when we were like sort of kid kiddy age, uh, sixteen kind of time, years ago, Hinch's first didn't actually I can remember. There's a few photos from the beat Horsham, it's actually drizzling, um, soaking wet night, and there's a photo of a bunch of us Poznan in. Um, while well, there's a Horton player looking quite upset in like the foreground or something like that. Um, that one's kind of died out a little bit, but there are a bit of bouncing and stuff like that. And just, just trying to have a bit of a laugh behind the goal, really, as you say. Just um, it's, a, it's a fun place to be on, a fun way to spend your Saturday afternoon. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, Adam, do you, when you were looking at that, do you, do you think, what the hell's going on here? This is non league football. There's all this crazy stuff going on on the terrace. Do you, do you wonder if you're dreaming this? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I like embrace it. I normally try to look for it and see uh, where my kids are mixed up in it, really, because they like to uh, get involved in it as well. And yeah, like I say, I think it's, it's, it's um, anyone that hasn't been encouraged to come along and just give it a go because, you know, the atmosphere that, that the guys create behind the goal is is unique for our level. Um, that sheds, like they say, there's a little bit of a balance. It is certain games it is rocking um you know and there is a big big old noise that comes out of there and i know it does help help the team and um you know some of my recruitments uh players that i brought in this summer um haven't experienced a home game yet so they haven't had the full effect of what it's like to be a worthing player in my opinion um so yeah it's something that i'm sure that they're looking forward to and it, and it does help it does help me massively when i'm talking to players about recruitment that you know, come and be 
a player that plays in front of a thousand fans every week that, you know, if you're doing all right, you might get a song sung about you. Um, some some of the songs are definitely unique. Uh, Hayden's right. There was one in particular song about a player called Joe Clark who <laughs> did... As soon as you said that, I knew it was going to be Clarky. <laughs> one about uh, it, did, it did make me shudder when his mum used to come and watch games because I know the family very well. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, I'll let them guys if they want to tell you about a bit more detail about it. But oh, yeah, it's, it's, um, the, the songs you are can unique. If you want, feel free. No, the, the songs are unique, and uh, it, it it is a great, great, great place to come. And like I said already, I can't sort of speak highly about the fan base that we've got. And I think Hayden said it already. We're only sort of, in my opinion, scratching the surface of what we can generate at Worthing. It's a big, big population. Um, we want to get more and more um, people coming along and get out in the community a little bit more. And, you know, like I say, the amount of people I'm at the ground quite often and the amount of people that walk past and go, oh, I didn't know this was it, you know, it's crazy. It's frightening. Um, so, yeah, we do want to get out there more and, um, yeah, like I say, get more and more fans coming along to experience it. Yeah, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know that's listening, uh, Woodside Road is tucked away in amongst the houses, isn't it? It's um, it's just uh, in, in the middle of an ordinary, what would otherwise be an ordinary street. Um, I get what you mean. It really wouldn't know it's there um, unless you were looking for it or stumbled across it by chance. Yeah. Um, is it, I mean, it's got 4,000, hasn't it, capacity. It's kind of hemmed in a fair bit. Is there any possibility? I know there's a lot of ground improvements have been done, but is there a chance of any marginal expansion should it be needed? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves at the moment, but say you did go up through a couple of divisions and started to get some really crazy numbers. Could they expand that at all? Is there any room? Yeah, I, I think there is room. There's room on the, um, we've got a big sort of main stand, um, but on the other side, there's a, a big sort of grass bank, which goes back a fair away and you could expand quite extensively on that side, I believe. Um, and yeah, like one of the reasons for me sort of staying at the club and signing a new, the contract is the board and the chairman's ambition for the club. They have got five-year, ten-year plans to improve and upgrade the facilities and the grounds, and they don't want to stand still. And um, yeah, like my my point of view, I want to keep on improving the team on the pitch and keep on progressing everything from the youth structure to everything. And you know, the the club and the board are very much on board with that happening, and they want to support and back that as well so um and and one of those things is obviously you know attendances keep the attendances up there and, and bring them up even more yeah because you can you can attract to get more money through the through the door which can help and you can attract those players as you said it's a recruitment tool isn't it if you've got something like that to say look you can play in front of this lot yeah and it's a three-year deal isn't it adam you've signed is that right yeah that's it yeah yeah so um yeah. Yeah, obviously delighted with that. Um, bit of security for family, but also a club that you know is ambitious. And like we spoke about already, that that having that sort of stability at a club um, is a bit rare these days. I think you know, especially today that the Cray management has, has left. Um, so you know, myself and um, you know Neil down at Folkestone and, and stuff like that. There's a few sort of long stay sort of managers, but. You know, things even at our level chop and change and people looking for that. So to have that bit of stability, um, you know, I, I think it's good and, and crucial um, if you do want to progress like the club does want to. 
Yeah. Well, Peter V, I mean, you obviously must be delighted to to hear the news when, when it came out that uh, he'd extended the deal, Adam had. Um, and I mean, what's your take on the way things are going? Because um, from your Rebel Yell stuff that I listened to in the past, Barry Hunter was on there. He came across pretty well, as far as I could tell. Um, seemed, seemed a really switched on guy, had a lot of good ideas and spoke very well. And it seems like there's a unity right up and down through the club that's all of about it being together is that your experience from having your I suppose your quite unique position within the club you kind of see stuff behind the scenes I suppose a bit more would you would you say that's about right I, I don't see it all behind the scenes because obviously there's a board but like I say I think it's it is very professional from you know the way it's run from the top um when Adam signed the three-year deal I, I did text him that evening because I was well chuffed I think it was the highlight of the this year so far to be honest um with all what's been going on and you, like Adam just said, there's a lot of chopping and changing of managers in the league. So, you know, to, to have that and over the last uh, three or so seasons, can't remember how many seasons now because they all seem to blend into one these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically, you know, watching the team and I, I used to go to training on Tuesday and Thursday just to try and, pick up the gossip on the injuries, et cetera, for my commentary on the Saturday. Um, so, you know, just having that. Uh, Adam's always been approachable. Anytime I've asked him for an interview, he's always, you know, been there, w- willing to do it, which is which is fantastic when you've got someone like that. Because I can imagine there's other managers who are probably quite close to that. So, but Adam's always very open. So, yeah, it's appreciated. Along with uh, Nathan, Nathan, I, you know, that's Nathan, the director of football, occasionally um yeah and they all help out and i think i think they do you know the people in the management on the board uh you know do like what we do as you know doing the commentary and the podcasts and and it's another way for the you know for the fans um to integrate with the club and feel more associated with it because they you know they hear these interviews and they get to know adam more nathan more barry barry more and i think that's quite quite important on the community club especially when we're trying to attract a, a fan base absolutely yeah and i completely agree i think that is the, the more you can do the, the more goodwill the more good stories coming out of the club the better all of that stuff about attracting new uh, followers and Obviously, your your role on match days is you're you're doing match coverage on your match days, so you don't get the chance to be a an ordinary fan, so to speak. Now, um, do you find that difficult at times? Is is there a temptation to um, just uh, scream a couple of things out when you're supposed to be describing what's going on? Oh, we, we scream it out on a microphone while we're commentating. We don't we don't mind, <laughs> but but I I do miss it behind the goal because obviously that's how I first got involved. Uh, you know, I met people like Aidan and Sammy was on earlier. Um, yeah, yeah, and the, the atmosphere having a few pints behind the goal, uh, you know, especially playing Bogner. I remember everyone taking their shoes off, throwing their shoes, jumping up and down with a shoe in the air, um, things like that. It's just absolutely fantastic. But I remember, um, it wasn't last season, it was the season before, um, Lewis away. Um, our, our computer got knocked over at half time. So we had to abandon the commentary. So we joined the away fans the second half and the bank at the away end at Lewis was absolutely full of Worthing. And it was one of the most amazing sights in non-league football I have seen. It was wall-to-wall Worthing at the bank of Lewis, if people are familiar with that ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Adam Adam enjoyed that one as well, didn't you, Adam? The Lewis away. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Unreal game. That was last late 
minute, uh, last minute goal from Clarky, I think it was actually. He scored on that yeah. day. And uh, yeah, no, we've had some some great followings. And Lewis, like the local sort of games, Bogner and Lewis, um, some of the pictures from you know the, the guys all travelling to Bogner and stuff, it makes you want to come a fan for a day and just go and experience that yourself. Um, so yeah, it's. I'm real with like those those local games and, and the following that we get. Um, so, yeah, like I say, we want to keep on improving that and um, long may that continue, really. Yeah, the, the Pan Zero. Uh, or, well, you almost don't want to give that nickname because the Dripping Pan's a brilliant name for a ground anyway, isn't it? But that is a good ground. I do like it. They were hoping to do a feature on them at some point. But I'm wondering if, Adam, maybe you should do a, a one-day swap with Hayden, get him to run the team for a game and then you can go in the away end. Uh, Adam will know my well. My football manager credentials probably would give me a hand with that, but um, I think Adam will know the one time I was involved with the Worthing team, it's, it was probably best we leave that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got I got Hayden and Sam actually come and join us for a sort of a fixture. Um, oh really? Uh, yeah, <laughs> bizarrely, it, I didn't uh, know that. At all. It, no, it's like uh, in, in the season we got invited to go and play uh, um, with football club and uh, you know. These guys were sort of about when the sort of call came, and I said, oh, "Come on in, let's see what you two have got, and uh, give them a little run out in the, uh, <laughs> on yeah, the pitch, was, um, which was, was an experience for them and myself." I think <laughs> it was after a few drinks at the awards evening, so we didn't really yeah. know whether to take it seriously or not. Um, I think that entire week was pretty much spent like we actually we actually going to do that, um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't at my fittest point at that, uh, that stage, I'll put it that way. Um, a few years out of Sunday League football, uh, and you could definitely tell, I think. You didn't get a contract. This is, this is brilliant. I mean, Peter, I don't know, have you ever had the opportunity to to get on the pitch or get involved with Barnet in that way? With your, your time going to Barnet games here and there? Probably not, no. <laughs> yeah, that, it's well, quite unique. They probably be even worse off at the bottom of uh, the, the National League at the moment. <laughs> If they uh, if they have me involved, yeah. Look at your predictions. Actually, you're doing all right in our predictions competition this year. But in the past, definitely, yeah. Um, so we're talking about the team. Um, so I wanted to get the, the the views from the different sides actually on on the current team. Well, at least as we will have it when things go back to normal. Um, what tell us a bit about the team for anyone that's interested in being going down to games, um, to, to getting involved, having a look, and what, what you've you've all. Obviously, already mentioned Adam that you like to play out from the back, so it's a passing style of football. Um, so we know that now. But what, who are the key features in the team? What, tell us a bit about the team. Now the team's um, basically based around uh, uh, youth sort of backbone to it. Really, uh, we've got some very good sort of older, experienced players. Um, one left us, but I'm hoping to the bit of gossip for the boys here actually. One left us and I'm hoping to have him back for next season. Um you know he was a <laughs> real mainstay in the in the side and, and a good leader. Um and I think that's what we've got a mixture of really good experienced players um that are you know real good role models for our younger players and I like to give young players an opportunity, you know I was very fortunate myself. Um, my uncle was manager of the club and gave me an opportunity. Um, you know, and a lot of people can say you only got your opportunity because you're uncle, but being in that position now, it's a hell of a um, 
call for for any manager, let alone, you know, it was Monkle's first job um, in the Championship, first game in the Championship and chucked me in. For him to have that sort of belief in me uh, yeah. must have shown... Um, you know, I took a, I took a lot, lot of thinking, a lot of, um, you know, mulling over on his behalf um, to do that. So uh, yeah, I always think that um, there's an element of of youth and um, and being at Brighton, I've got really good links there. So any players that do get released and not quite quite there, you know, what I can say is we've got an unbelievable fan base, um, and we try to run things um, as professionally as we can. Um, Know, we do analysis. We've got Cam Morrison and Nathan that I work with, who are brilliant coaches, brilliant people, and you know work hard on analysis and improving individuals. And um, yeah, I think we've got a good balance of experience, boys. And the nucleus is is youth based. Um, like you said already, we've had Cole Rushworth um, recently from Brighton come and play golf for us. Um, Rocco Reese as well uh, last season and even Toby Ball was a under 18 goalkeeper from Brighton that come and played and yeah. you know I've got no qualms in giving youngsters an opportunity if I think they're ready um, you know had 16 year olds come Ben Pope was still at school when he had his first opportunity um, you know Finn Stevens recently and and, and Kwame, uh, I like to give them an opportunity if they're good enough, and um, you know that's that's the key thing, and I think it helps with my recruitment for my for, for the academy for the club um, that they will get an opportunity, but at the same time it's it's a big club, you know, so I can't just go and field a team full of sixteen year olds. Yeah. Um, you know, they will get an opportunity if I feel they're ready, and if they're doing it on a regular basis, then there will be that pathway for them. Finn Stevens, is he the lad that went to Brentford? Yeah, he went off to, off to Brentford, hmm. Finn. Um, and now, recently, he'll be away with the Wales on the 21 squad. So, oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, so unbelievable hmm. sort of rise. And, uh, you know, that gives our, our younger players um, a lot of aspiration. And a lot of, lot of them do look at that and want to, you know, firstly get into our first team and then, you know, what can come of that? Because more and more, it does seem to be a trend that more and more league clubs are looking at non-league football and non-league players and, and young players. And we seem to be a good hub at the moment in Sussex for giving these youngsters an opportunity and a platform. So we are in updated with league clubs coming to watch our, our players. Yeah, and that, that thing about pathways is definitely a big thing, isn't it? Um, in terms of the team, um, formations-wise, do you vary it up a bit? I mean, do you, there's a passing side. Do you play a 4-3-3? Do you have wing-backs? Or do you, do you kind of interchange depending on the opposition? How do you normally like to line it up, Adam? No, yeah, I like to have a good uh, couple of formations. The heavily um, been based around a, a three at the back uh, the last few uh, seasons. Um simply because um you know I just thought we had the personnel to suit that really it was a, it's not like um I know the Atlanta coach and he's very much renowned for playing through the back heart you know I wouldn't say that that's me myself uh, you know this lockdown studied you know Brighton quite heavily because I admire the way they play obviously man city and how they play and I've liked the good good thing for me as a young manager, I like to challenge myself and be 
try and adapt um, the team to, to the players that I've got at my disposal. Um, we went with a slight tweak to the three at the back. We did play like a, a sort of boxing midfield um, and then we changed to like a two up front last season um, to get two up front and worked on that. And, you know, I'd have no qualms this season to go and switch into a 4-3-3 if we get the um, right centre-half pairing uh, together and we can uh, do that and play a two, then, you know, I'm, I'm open and, like I say, I want to challenge myself. And I think although Worthing's a massive club, it does allow me that flexibility to to challenge myself as, as a coach and as a manager to, to adapt systems as well. Yeah, I mean, you may not have a Gundogan, a De Bruyne and a Foden in your team, but you can you can work a version of that with, with players at any level, I think. I mean, Gus Point proved that at the Albion. There's actually quite a revolution in amongst the lower leagues of the EFL with a, quite a few clubs like Lincoln with Michael Appleton and a few others are, are, are trying to play a, an all-out sort of a, a version of total football, you could call it, I suppose, of just passing all around the pitch. And it can be done, definitely. And it sounds like it's working by and large. Uh, notwithstanding COVID interference, of course. Um, in terms of um, so Peter and Hayden, what as as fans looking at this team, who who are the um who are the stalwarts, who are the cult figures, who are the heroes in the team at the moment? Anyone stand out? Do you want to go Hayden or oh he's on mute. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's he's there, <laughs> okay. Um obviously we had Aaron C. I pre- I presume that's who Adam was uh, alluding to, I hope he was. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, not much, right? he's not mentioning any names, <laughs> um, but obviously, he was a store and he was sad when he he, he, um, he he left last season. So, but you know, he was really cracking, cracking centre half. He, I think, I watched a game, I think it was one of our away games anyway. He, he, didn't, he didn't miss a header in the 90 minutes of defensive header, he was absolutely, absolutely awesome. Um, but I think last season, well, the short season, um, Marvin Armstrong started it on absolute fire. I think the season before, he, he'd play up to 60 minutes and then Adam would take him off. I think he sort of wouldn't run out of steam. Um, but I think he started, hopefully Adam agrees with me, but I, I think he did start, you know, last, last season really well. And, he, you know, he looked like he was getting better and better. Uh, yeah, it was te- testament to Marvin, really. Come in um, before sort of pre-season training, I'd meet him 45 minutes before training and he will do some individual work. And, you know, and I think that's the sort of culture that we have created. Um, we have got lads that, you know, we are step-free and non-league, but these lads are, are dedicated and are committed and do want to, you know, be better players and versions of themselves. Uh, you know, not not so much no more that, especially not at, at our level, uh, at our club, you know, it's, it's about a, a drinking culture in non-league with your mates and, you know, they want to actually improve and, you know, the shape and the physique of some of these guys is 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 testament to them and, and how they conduct themselves away from the work that we do. But yeah, Marvin come in early, put in the, put in the time. So you always love to see the stories where these players get their rewards and like I say, he was, he was fantastic in this early parts of this season. Marvin's fantastic. I think he's pretty much cemented himself as a kind of a cult favourite already just for his work last season, as in season before, um, just his work ethic and just how much he'll chase after, chase after the ball. Um, just 
a workhorse and it, it works really well. Just that midfield in general, um, Jesse Starkey, obviously was former Brighton, excellent talent, um, really great player, just a professional heads uh, um, at step seven level. Oh, sorry, seventh tier is, you know, remarkable. Uh, Ricky Aguilar as well, ahead of him, special talent he is. Um, I think he's one for me who really came into his own this half season or so. Um, I think Adam gave him his chance a couple of years ago and he's always been a very talented player, but now you just sort of see that little bit of maturity that puts him onto that next level. But there's, you know, it's such a variety of players because you have people like um, Alex Parsons who we talk, we talk about players being in good shape and good fitness. The bloke's a personal trainer and a model, you know, <laughs> so that's the sort of standard of player we're attracting at Worthen now. Um, and he, you know, is an experienced head, still quite a young guy, but, when he's sort of one of the players that are propping up the young lads in the middle, um, Reese Meekins, who, when he came on loan originally from Brighton, you would never have expected us to be able to keep him, but we've ended up with him again and he's, he's excellent consistently. It's a really good core of players there. And I think the exciting thing about being a fan watching it is you look at the likes, going back to when I first started, the players that I sort of, we sort of fell in love with my mates, um, like Will Hendon, Went on to play to East, play at Eastbourne. He was in the Jamie Vardy Academy. Um, Lloyd Dawes, similar situation with him at Eastbourne. Omar Bagheels obviously kicked on, played in the Football League. Um, club legend. Kwame Poker, obviously, recently at Colchester. He's got a Ghana call up. A number of players at Sutton United who are flying in the National League, like David Ojibwe. Um, Just like, you know that you've got players playing for you who are going to go on to do bigger things. And there's this real excitement about seeing what those lads are going to do because they're special talents and they can kick on. Um, It's just about hoping now that the club can go up with those players now as well. Adam's going to get poached by a Premier League team if you keep (laughs) (laughs) coaching all his players up to the next levels and everything, you know. Yeah, seems like no, I think that's, yeah. that's one of one of the things, one of the draw. You know, I'm obviously very ambitious as a coach and a manager, and these players are as well, and the club is, and it all seems to, you know, fit into one. And I think this strong, strong culture. If you're all singing off that same hymn sheet and you're that dedicated um, to, you know, your own personal. Um, growth as as a coach, a manager, or player, but also within the club as well, and um, you know, that's something that we've tried to build, um, you know, around who we recruit in um, players with that sort of ambition. And um, yeah, we obviously mentioned a few uh, good examples there, but yeah, we seem to have been lucky over the years to recruit some some good players in. It must be really tough, though, keeping everyone kind of really focused and motivated when you've had done such a good season last year and then not been allowed to go up, despite the fact you obviously probably almost certainly were going to. And then had a good start this season as well. It must be kind of for ambitious players to then say, have to have a third season when you should have been up arguably you know, this year already. It must be quite difficult to, to keep them motivated and kind of like when it's like, well, what's the, you know, we've had no, no end to our success the last two seasons, no kind of reward. No, it, it definitely was. Um, like you say, the, the lads have spoke about Ricky already and, um, you know, I know he's hugely ambitious and wants to really test himself um, at, at a high level. So it is, you know, saying, come on, let's finish this job and get us there together sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, like I say, it is testament to the way the club is. Um, you know, not just myself, but the staff that I 
have with me, like Cam I spoke about already, and the professionalism within the way we work from that to, to how, you know, the club wants to improve stuff off the pitch and to the fan base, the whole package does help in trying to keep these players here. They can see there is potential for the club, um, otherwise they wouldn't stay. So, you know, we we all want to test ourselves at a high level and, you know, we spoke about already the owner, George, and the money and the stuff that, you know, he's invested in the infrastructure of the club. And, you know, that was the, the sad thing for me. He had a five-year plan and it would have come into fruition uh, if it wasn't for coronavirus hitting. Um, you know, so that, to see that, to see him reach National League South for the first time in the club's history uh, within his five-year uh, time frame for all that he's been through and for everything that he's done for the club was a big thing for me to try and, and create for him and, and the players as well. So, you know, obviously sad that that hasn't happened, but, you know, we still all want to, you know, try and get there for, for the fans that come and support us and, and George, the owner. Um, just uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think to add insult to injury, didn't the women's team also uh, miss out? They'd actually already technically confirmed promotion yeah. when the previous season had finished. Is that right? They was in a, a better place than us. They actually was oh, promoted. Yeah. Done. It was done. They, they was uh, yeah. So you know, yeah, special mention to them as well for yeah. them getting there. Well, and like, like I say, it was the whole culture of the club. We all want to sort of move mm. on, not stand still and take the club forwards. And Michelle with the women will be no different. And she's got a great side there and, you know, um, really similar sort of, of tale and woes for, for her, like on a, on a bigger scale, because she was already there. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the club is, is going up together, sort of the various um, aspects of the club are all going well at the same time is, I think, um, symptomatic of how well it's being run as a whole. Um, it's, I, I feel gutted for them as well. If you've already confirmed promotion, I think Jersey Bulls in the men's game and a couple of others had already confirmed promotions as well. It is very difficult. And um, the, the women's game is... They won literally sorry? every game for like about two seasons, I think. Yeah. yeah. They had actually yeah, won crazy. last year and they had a really good start again this season as well. I think they won every game. And, yeah. Um, I mean, Shield, the, the, I think, were one of the ones who protested in the last season as well. I think they yeah, were. Yeah, they were, they were fuming, weren't they, as well? Yeah, um, I think you guys have got an affiliation with South Shields, haven't you? Is it Peter? You've got them on the um, on the podcast. You do, is that right? Is it the South Shields guys? Yeah, we do Premier Non-League podcast, and yeah, we do uh, we do have one of his South Shields chaps who comes on it bi- bi-weekly. Yeah. We do that one. Um, yeah. So where we just talk about the national game and highlight different teams and things. Yeah, I listened to that. It was a good, good little listen as well. Yeah, yeah, it's worth Thank uh, you. recommended. Uh, well, <laughs> happy to help um, plug the show. Um, but it, on the women's team side of things, obviously with the game, they've just had the announcement, haven't they? I mentioned on the previous pod, it was Sky. It's actually Sky and BBC, I should correct myself from earlier, that have got a joint deal. It's seven million a year in each of three years. I think they've got 44, Sky is showing 44 games minimum, 35 on their free-to-air channels, their main channels. BBC have got a certain number there. Uh, committing to, I think it's 14 per season. So things are going really well in the women's game. It would be a good thing for Worthing to to get themselves up into. Where, what level are they actually at at the moment? Do, do you know, guys, what, in terms of the whole pyramid system? I want to say like step six, I think. I think yeah. so, so we're talking, yeah. 
yeah. Um, yeah, that obviously got huge ambitions, and I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the the sky have done that. I think it can only enhance the the women's game, and um, rightly so as well. I think it'd be brilliant, and um, you know, with three girls myself to have, you know, football on the telly, and you know, it might give me a bit of a kudos if. Uh, might have a chance of watching some more football with uh, the women playing as well with the girls in the house. And I think like to have sort of role models for the girls to look up to as well, mm. like if they're seeing them on TV and can have their names on the back of their shirts and stuff like that. And it will take it to a new level. And, you know, it could be a good time for Worthing to sort of capitalise on that and, um, you know, get up the leagues like uh, the, the whole club ethos is to, to keep on improving and, at every level um, so yeah it could be a good time to sort of really um, enhance the, the women's the women's game of, of the club as well yeah um, I know Peter wanted to ask a few questions about the Albion quickly as well in your relation to your career Hinch just to mention first of all um, I think you've had uh, there's a hundred games you played for us didn't you I think yeah. that's right that, I'm shocked that to be fair Brighton fans asked me about the hundred games first. It's normally the own goal and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. So, uh, well, I was going to mention thanks, it. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, 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 thanks very much. Yeah, own goal is not what I want to remember, really. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to start off with that, uh, yeah. obviously, which was such an amazing first of the Burnley away games your debut, wasn't it? And it was such an amazing first game to come into. It must have been like a real kind of highlight that kind of coming into the first game and the first game in the top in the top um, in the championship for the first for ages to win 3-1 like that must have been very yeah great day for you no I certainly was um you know I can remember it vividly really uh, you know the whole whole day the whole experience we flew up to Manchester and stuff like that so you know as a young player I've never experienced that sort of thing before it was you know we used to hook the train up with Dean Wilkins and Put the trailer on the back of the minibus and away we'd go to sort of Southend and Colchester and Leighton Orient. Um, so to go to go from that to you know flying up and um, you know just uh, the the fan base that we took and I can remember sort of you know second half being in like the the, the Burnley end the, the big um, not the the opposite end to where you come out and where the away fans go. And just the noise when I was marking someone from the corner is just, you know, phenomenal, really. Get it and sort of bring sort of the hairs on the back of my neck up now, really, just thinking about it. But yeah, it was a great, great experience, um, you know. And um, like I'll always keep reminding my uncle, you should never change a winning team. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what, what would you say your other highlights were from your playing at playing days at Albion? Um, yeah, obviously there's the the big games. Unfortunately, I wasn't a part of the game at the Millennium Stadium. I was on the bench. Um, I'm actually, Mark McGee's just getting me ready to come on as the, the whistle goes. So, a bit of a gutter that was not to get on the pitch and experience it, but just the, the whole fans that we took that day and, and the day itself was, was fantastic. Um but yeah, being part of the side that stayed up, um, I can't actually remember the actual year of it now. But there was a I sort of I think I missed the first game at Reading come on, and then sort of think I played every game up until getting injured. Um, 
sort of about this sort of time mid-March against Reading on Sky. Um, you know, to have a big sort of impact on that season we stood, stayed up because we was punching well above our weight. Um, you know, we had no... The, the finances that we had back then to even yeah. being with a chance of staying up, you know, I, I, it's similar to what Wickham are, are doing now, you know, Gareth, um, obviously played with Gareth at Wickham and, you know, for them to be competing like they are in the championship and still having half a chance at this stage to, to stay up is, is phenomenal. So I think that was testament to how, well, we worked that season to, to stay in the division. It probably, back then, to do that was as big an achievement to get into the sort of Premier League when they was at the Amex that time. You know, it was a fantastic achievement. And, um, yeah, just 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 games like Middlesbrough and, you know, Tottenham away on my 21st birthday um, in the FA Cup. You know, never forget games like that. And... Um, you know, some, some big players that you sort of come up against and tested yourself against and some big stadiums that you played in. Um, you know, it's obviously a big part of it is saddened with, you know, injury and the hardship that goes with that. But there are lots of positive memories as well. And, um, yeah, I even remember very well Mickey Adams and Nicky Forster absolutely hammering me for the um, own goal that I scored and we was leading the game 1-0. That was just before half-time and, you know, that was my 100th game for the club. Um, Programme, name, uh, picture on the front of the programme, all my family in attendance. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so sort of come back from that and put that to one side at a young age and, you know, still go on to, to feature um, was was um, a good achievement as well in itself. To be fair, then, you weren't to blame. I mean, it's always bad when a player's on the front of the program they're guaranteed to have a bad game. Then. Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, so... Yeah, I've noticed that happens on Football Focus a lot as well. Um, nearly always, anyone fe- featured on there has a mare or their team loses yeah. or something. It's a bit yeah. like Brighton yeah. the season every year for a while. Like, you guarantee that whoever player was voted for the year would leave almost immediately. Yeah. I think that, that survival season would have been 04, 05, wouldn't it? The year after yeah, the Millennium yeah. Stadium. Yeah, yeah I, think I remember was, yeah. quite a few of those games. Yeah, yeah. Tottenham away was great, wasn't it? We had about yeah. nine, ten thousand 10,000 there. Um, oh, yeah, quite great. unreal experience. Even though we like, yeah. lost the, the goal that Robbie Keane scored for the winner was a phenomenal goal. And Ridiculous. Game. Game. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, yeah we gave, you, gave you want it to be. If you're going to lose, and, you want it to be that, yeah. don't you? Yeah, you don't want an own goal or something. It's like such a good performance. Yeah, it's a good performance. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's all blow. happy, happy dance. It was a real blow, I think, when you got injured. I reckon you did a really good shout for Player of the Year that season as well. You were, you know, playing so well. No, yeah, con- consistent. Um, I think that was the sort of, you know, it ended up being sort of um, my sort of one season where I felt I was hitting some of my potential and. You know, got into the England under twenty one squads, don't know how, but you know, as the water boy I went along there and, and got into that uh, set up. So that was obviously as an individual to experience that was 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 incredible and um be part of that for a game and yeah, it, it was just such a shame that didn't get to I don't think I really got to fulfil sort of my potential because I was so young at that stage. 
really, I think, as a centre-half and a defender, you sort of learn from that and progress as you sort of um, get a little bit older, a little bit wiser, maybe with experience. Um, so, yeah, just really real disappointment, really, from my time at Brighton that I never got to, and the fans never got to experience the, the sort of best of me, really, which is sad, but you, you can't live and dwell on that, you know. Yeah. I, I very rarely now, I don't bring up about, like, I see Martin Keogh go on about his career all the time when he's commentating. Like, I don't really like to go on and talk too much about sort of my footballing career. I like to now look forward to, you know, my management career and where that can go and, um, you know, see my kids sort of come and, and come up through the ranks and, and play and, and stuff like that. So that's, you know, what I like to focus on. But, it, you know, twinge with, twinge with a bit of sadness there, but at the same time, you know, you, you, I got to experience being a professional footballer, which a lot of people dream about and, um, you know, very privileged to say that I've got the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Enjoy the times you had. Appreciate those. And, and then look to the future. Sounds like a good philosophy. Um, I dreamed of being a footballer, but my dad's broken plants in his garden would say otherwise. <laughs> I get missing, missing the target. Um, we'll steer it back to Worthington Randolph in a minute. But just one question, actually, yeah. Adam, to you as well. Regarding your career, obviously you're working in coaching. I presume, have you, yeah. have you got the pro licence already? No, I've got a licence. Um, yeah, obviously you want to get to a sort of pro licence. It does go up quite significantly in price from an A licence to a pro licence. So uh, yeah, I don't know whether yeah. I'll be able to twist the owner's arm to allow me to fund me to do that. Yeah, but that's, that's something I do want to do. I am ambitious. I want to yeah. get my pro licence. I want to be um, as qualified as I possibly can. And it's something that I've you know got um, aspirations to do in the future. Yeah. So you see your long-term future in the coaching side of things? Um, or do you have other, I mean, would you like to get into TV or any other administrative elements no, behind the scenes? Definitely not got the face for TV, face for radio. But, um, <laughs> no, there, well, you there, was <laughs> there was a time I sort of, um, recently after I retired, really, I was doing a little bit with uh, BBC Sussex. I was like, yeah, Warren Aspinall um, back in the day. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was it was a season when I, I used to do the away games. So Warren done the home games and I used to do the away games. And it was uh, the season when Gus Boyer um, got promoted. So the last season at Wisden, um, you know, and that, that, that was a great insight for me. And um, to see, he, I would look at players that they played against and for like Hoskins, for instance, for Bristol Rovers, I liked him as a player. And then Gus Boyer would go and sign him. And I was thought like, bloody, I've got a bit of a eye for a, a player here and uh, yeah I just very much want to focus on being a coach and, and a manager I enjoy enjoy the, the yeah. management side I enjoy setting up a team to play a certain way and like we spoke about already I like to get the ball up from the back and be entertaining and score goals and basically I've got you know I go all over the South East like all these fans do to, to watch the team play and I want to be entertained as, as much as they do and have a team that entertains and that's my belief on, on what I find entertaining is a team that plays in, in that fashion um, so yeah it's just my own personal opinion I'm not saying that 
setting up in a 4-4-2 and, and getting it, putting it in behind, I'm sure there is many a fan out there that would love to see me and my side do that. But that's just not something that I believe in um, to win games of football and try to try to bring in a, a player that will suit good technical ability, good technical standard that will suit how, how we like to play. Yeah, sounds like a commendable way to do it. That's certainly the way I like to watch the football. And I'd imagine you, the fans, and Pete and Hayden feel the same. Um, in t- I mean, there is a lot of growth potential, by the way, with, with um, Worthing, obviously, in the shorter term, short to medium term, isn't there, in the coaching side? I have to say that as well. But um, in terms of um, going to games, so, um, guys, how much is it to get into games if people are interested in getting along once, once things are back to normal? How much is it for... For getting in, and do you know how much the season tickets are as well, by any chance? Peter, I don't know, I'll throw that one to you oh, yeah. first, stitch you up. <laughs> I think the season tickets last season were 180, but anybody, yeah. as far as I know, anyone who got a season ticket last year, it'll be carried across to this season, if, oh, yeah. if the information I've been given is correct. Uh, yeah. but, but check with the club first. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And, and, and to get in, I think it was... Um, I think it was twelve pound last season. Okay, that's not bad. Is it twelve? Yeah. It, it went up from ten, I think, to twelve pound. Yeah, I think yeah. it was eleven or twelve, um, and then concessions mm. a little bit below that. I think, it's, yeah. I think concessions about yeah. eight, uh, and then I think it's quite cheap though. Um, I couldn't say myself, but um, I think they're relatively cheap, and that's kind of what kind of feeds into trying to bring in the community thing, get kids involved, and get them supporting Worthing from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, it sounds quite par for the course, doesn't it, price-wise? Um, I'm, I live in North London, as I mentioned. I'm, my local team is Enfield, Enfield Town, um, who I think, bizarrely, according to the internet, um, you were due to play this Saturday in the original set of fixtures down at Woodside. I don't know if that's the case, whether I read that wrong, but uh, by bizarre coincidence. Um, when things do get back to normal, I'm definitely going to pop along and see that game. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I can't wait to get down and try and, Get, get to see some Worthing games now. I'm hearing more and more about it. I'm getting more of an appetite for it. Peter, I don't know, Peter Marsh, I don't know if you fancy, um, you're a bit of a ground hopper like me. I've been to the ground before, but would you fancy ticking that one off the list? Yeah. It'd be I'd worth be, a day out by the seaside. I have actually been to the ground. So I went to, a, I was down in Brighton one day and I saw, went went to Worthing for a pre-season friendly against Albion. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm up for, definitely up for going to watching, yeah, to watch a game sometime. So. Yeah. And, in terms of the pre-match stuff, um, Hayden, where do you normally go? Do you, do you meet up in sort of pubs or somewhere locally and just sort of just have a, a local drink? <laughs> Peter's glogging away in the what background. Peter's, what Peter's insinu- insinuating there is, is outrageous, frankly. Um, <laughs> just because it's true doesn't mean it's it's not. A, um, yeah, no. So it, it, to be honest, quite a lot of people just kind of go off and do their own things. Um, you know, people. Quite a lot of people. We've got. Um, quite a few good local ale houses nearby um yeah i'm up for that kind of so thing there's yeah. a couple of those near uh, by both the stations um for big games we'll normally meet up at the grand victorian pub which is across the road from worthing station that'll be for like derby days we'll get a big group of people there and then walk down to the ground before and try and have a little sort of almost a march kind of thing and there's some footage out there of that that's uh kind of sums up what we're trying to do at worthing um, but to be honest, I think the thing to encourage people to do really is come and drink at the grounds, you know, <laughs> and put that money into Urban Football Club because um, yeah. that's what we, we prefer to do. Obviously, we've got the bar that's not long been refurbished a few years ago. One of the first things George did was get that looking all glossy and it's a great place to drink before a game. Um, 
yeah, that's that's what I'd recommend. A few few beers at Woodside, a few beers after, quite a lot of entertainment. Uh, they'll try and get live bands and stuff in the clubhouse as well. Uh, yeah, it's a good day to watch your football. Yeah, and I, I mentioned Dulwich Hamlet earlier. Don't want to do, you know, none of this drinking or watching football stuff. Yeah, Peter's never a drinker. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but that's, no, we, that's I mean, an absolute lie. That's a that's a bold face <laughs> lie. <laughs> um, I think yeah, he's we, on about the other Peter Hayden. He's on about the other Peter. Oh right, right, yeah, <laughs> it's still a lie. Yeah, but I think it's a lie in both cases. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we do do like mentioned Dolly Hamlet earlier, and they do like a drink, do like a nice bit of food, and they they got both those things right. Is it similar at Worthing? Have you got sort of decent ales on? Have you got do you do pies or sort of gourmet burgers or any of that sort of stuff? What have they got going on? Or do we not not know a new yeah. order of things yet? But, well, we did. They did start having a, a guest beer every week, didn't they? In 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 the in the bar, but and the side bar. But um, but obviously, you know, with everything that's happened, it's all. Uh, I can't remember last last home game we had was over a year ago now. Uh, so yeah. so it's all becoming yeah, a, dist- a bit of a distant memory, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but but we'll be back, and the the grounds all sorted. So looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, um, I, I was, they've got the, the you know the usual lagers and the Guinnesses that most people will have if there's not a guest ale on. Um, yeah, they've got the food hut. Uh, you know, I think it's about three pound yeah. for a burger. It's all very reasonable. Get your cheesy chips if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, I do like a bit of cheesy chips. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so, so that's it. That's it for Worthing FC. Uh, the Rebels, the Mackerel Men, as they've also... I didn't know that second nickname. I've always known the Rebels. I, I somehow didn't pick up on the Mackerel Men. Is that a long-term nickname as well? The fans prefer Rebels, um, but the club yeah. recently reintroduced Mackerel Men over the last few years. and uh, I, th- yeah. I think it's grown on us now. Yeah, it kind of. I, I do quite like it, but obviously Rebel strips off the tongue quicker and works better in song, I guess, doesn't it, Hayden? And um, speaking of which, you mentioned uh, who was the guy you mentioned? Was it Arch? Archie? Someone did you say? No, um, Marvin. He, Marvin. He, uh, oh, Marvin Armstrong, what the player? Yeah. And do you do you have a song for him? Feel free to sing it on air if you want. Uh, I, do you know what? Uh, I don't think I've had enough beers in me to be <laughs> the karaoke player, mate. But um, I thought you'd no. say that. To be fair, I'm the same. Yeah. What one of the first things we we try and do with the players when they come in is have a song for them. Um, so Marvin's was quite, uh, yeah, Marvin's was thrown together because he had a, he had red boots when he first came in that were a good luck charm. I'm David your boy, so they got thrown in there. Um, and then we just decided we would just say his chest massive as if he's hench, you know. So we threw that in there as well. <laughs> Oh, blimey. Fair enough. Okay. Well, um, on that note, we'll round off by just a quick prediction for, from you all. Uh, next season, when it finally, when we finally get onto what will hopefully be a normal season again, um, any predictions for it? I mean, I'll start with you, Peter. Do you reckon they're going to continue to get business done and get, get promotion at the end of next season? I have no doubt we do. We do. Basically, um, what, what I like about Worthing and Adams management is, as he said, he, he gets the teams to play football. You know, he, he, he doesn't put uh, square pegs in round holes. He, he, you know, he plays people in the right positions where, where you know, and I've seen his, his, his uh, training styles and everything. Um, he's quite hard. He's hard on the players. He gets, you know, he definitely gets the best out of them. Um, and I think we've, the, the way he plays football and over what I've seen the last two seasons, the beginning of last season, then, you know, I've got no doubt is we, we can do the job next season. Yeah. 
and Hayden, do you go along with that? Full, full of confidence. I'll, I'll echo, echo every word of that. Um, yeah, it's it's been the last three years have been the best football this club's pretty much ever played. It's, it's been the best times we've ever had, and I've got no doubt that the boys and Adam, they're all a driven bunch, and they'll be up for it again next year, and more of the same. And you know what? Even if it's just that quality of football, you know, I think we'll be over the moon with that. Excellent, brilliant. And Adam, do you predict you're going up? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they say pressure is a privilege, <laughs> don't they, I suppose? So uh, nothing on there. Um, yeah, we've we've obviously, how we performed in, in recent years, um, the expectation from the fans and everything is, is rightly so, is up there. And um, just from my point of view, all I look to do is improve on each season. So I'll, we'll look at the season and put the two seasons together like, not um, the, the FA and everything didn't want to do, but I'll, I'll do that and then it'll give me something to improve on, um, whether that's goals for, goals against, um, winning games. Um, you know, we'll look at all of that and, and try to improve and that's all I've tried to do since I've come in. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining us. We, it's been a pleasure. We really enjoyed your company. Um, for Sam that was on earlier, to Hayden that's with us at the moment, to Peter Vale, and to Adam Hinchelwood, thank you all very much for joining us. And that just leaves us to say, well, thank if there's any other words to say, it leaves us just to say, stand or fall. Up the Albion. And up the Rebels. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.